when you build trust, you know, I've always said, you know, the, you know, business is easy. It's about communication and expectations and communicate well, you know, don't overpromise, you know, don't make ridiculous deadlines, you know, and, and, and then you set reasonable expectations and then you meet or exceed those expectations. You're a rock star day in and day out. I mean, right. And then when things do go wrong or something's late or it breaks or whatever, then you've built that trust. And then they just trust you to that you're going to take care of it as opposed to their hair being on fire and, you know, screaming, you know, over emails at you or whatever, you know. So, so I think it's important to have a balance of compatible clients that you can work with, that you can build a relationship. Hey, 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 my name is Christy Yoder, your podcast host. I am the founder and CEO of Smart VAs. Can I tell you a secret? I am obsessed with teamwork and delegation. I consider myself a lazy entrepreneur, not because I don't like working, but because I always find ways to do things in the most effective way. I was born and raised in Manila, Philippines, moved to the States, and grew my virtual assistant agency from one person to more than 40-plus team members as of this recording. I was able to grow my business 10 times more after I hired my first virtual assistant in a span of three months. That's why my goal in this podcast is to help you grow your business by giving you fresh perspectives on delegation, up-to-date proven business strategies, and by interviewing successful entrepreneurs to teach you how to scale your business while living a freedom-filled lifestyle. So, are you ready to become a master delegator? Let's dive right in. In today's episode, I am joined with John Moore from 305 Spin. He's been in the business since 1993, and he has helped a lot of businesses grow through the power of technology. I'm so excited to learn a lot from him, and I am sure that you will learn a lot lot from him as well. So keep tuning in. All right. Well, hey, John, thank you so much for being on the podcast. How are you doing today? Doing great. How are you, Christy? I'm doing awesome. Um, It's a little bit cold here in Ohio which I'm used to it already, but thank God we don't have heavy snow yet, which you told me earlier that you're it's having snow. Snowing. Yeah, it's snowing right there now. in Colorado right okay. now. Yeah. What's the temperature there? Uh, it's in the low 20s, so it's not bad. Low 20s, yeah. Uh, yesterday, we had, I think, our, we had 48, if I'm not mistaken, but now we're at 28 right now. So it's like we All dropped right. 20. Well, you'll probably get that cold front that we had. It was in the single digits here for about four or five days in a row, so. Oh my gosh, I don't I don't like snow. I hate it. Anyway, before we dig deeper um to some of the questions that I have for you and and before, you know, we talk about how you were able to grow your business cuz you've been in business for like more than 10 years. Am I am I right? We started in 93, so this is our 29. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to learn a lot from you. So, we're why don't you the internet? No. Yeah, I know. Like so you have to really tell me how did you start your business? So tell me about you, your journey and and how you started your entrepreneurial journey. Um, well, I started really early, so in high school I started my own company doing uh DJ and sound systems and and then kind of you know I was doing already some computer stuff way back early on and and you know helping people um when the computers were barely computers and then I ended up in New York to get my master's and and uh, work for a company on Broadway that booked national tours of Broadway shows and and so my job there initially was getting all their theater surveys into like a you know weighing mini computer system so they could have data to share with touring companies and stuff and then through that, then I started working with marketing companies. I thought, oh, technology and marketing. That's sort of a, you know, interesting thing. You know, how do you use technology? Um, and then being from the Midwest, um, it was like, how could you use that technology to help, you know, local and regional bands, uh, brands compete on a national level? And so back then it would have been like shortcutting print, you know, short color um, runs on color printing. You know, you're making short runs. So instead of doing, you know, big jobs with films, um, we actually had, you know, our 2400k bond modems that we would send FTP files to Atlanta to a company 
you know, so we'd said start the file before we left and it'd be done by the next morning. And then they would send us, you know, a box of 250 color brochures or whatever. Um, and then in 94, um, I actually was able to go to the very first Internet World Conference in San Jose. It's really interesting looking back because there was, you know, the founders of Yahoo and all these people that were just sort of getting the Internet going. And that's where I decided, you know, that the Internet was going to be a good marketing tool and then started building our first websites. And and uh, so we were off and running. Nice. That is awesome. So tell me about your business now. Like, what is it exactly? And what do you do for your clients? Well, so we've grown a lot, you know, started out just sort of being websites and marketing on the on the internet, you know. Um, and then uh, late 90s, we started doing some hosting. And we decided that, you know, one of the worst parts about building websites was all the updates you had to make for clients. So then we started building custom CMSs before there really was custom CMSs so they could make their own updates. So we we didn't have to spend time doing that. Um, and then we got really more into back office and sort of, you know, you used to call it web enabling. So, you know, a company has all this data in-house, they can't get it outside, their IT is a roadblock. Um, and then so we would build a portal or external website and then, you know, hook into their data. And so that's where really our API development started. Um, and then in the mid-2000s, we really got starting involved with wireless companies. Um, and that's pretty much our core um, group of clients now is, you know, companies like PureTalk and H2O Wireless and AirVoice Wireless and Insurance Wireless and lots of wireless companies. Um, and then we'll do everything for them from websites to back office, you know, connecting with, you know, the carriers, AT&T, Verizon or Sprint or T-Mobile, whoever. Um, and then SEO and SEM, you know, we really got involved early in SEO. SEO, DM, and so being technical, you know, we can do a pretty good job of really making SEO work. And then that all kind of cumulated, uh, accumulated this year with, um, we started a project, well, 2021, I guess now, we're already 2022, but softserveseo.com is kind of our self-serve portal. So we built kind of, you know, took our knowledge and our experience and put it into a sort of a, you know, you log in, it's got all the metrics you need, you know, you can figure it out, you know, tutorials and stuff. So that's kind of where we're going. You know, we still right. do the, the really you know, white glove type SEO and SEM service. But then there's just a lot of companies that they just need guidance and the tools to be able to do a good job. And so that's been kind of our focus is how do we sort of pass on sort of our knowledge base um, and, you know, help more people. So I see. So, yeah, so you are a, yeah, so you are a marketing agency, but you focus mainly on providing website um, services, SEM and SEO. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. And, and you know, we're small. We have offices in Missouri and Colorado, um, but then we have a lot of, you know, Chris now working remotely is cool. You know, we were doing it, you know, 10 years ago, it was just, you know, whatever. It was just a way to have finding the best people um, that may not be, you know, where our offices are at, you know. So we That's have true. good processes in place to, to work with remote. So now we've got, I don't know, I think we're working with people in two or three or four countries now. So nice. That's awesome. So you started your business in 93 and now yeah. it's 2022. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you have different challenges back in 93 and different challenges currently you know now that we are in the millennium well the technology changes all the time <laughs> yeah right? that and yeah so, that's true and i've always said you know the you know sort of you know the best people you can hire are those that really you know have learned how to learn because you know because our business doesn't stand still and not that we jump all over the place you know we don't want to be bleeding edge but you got to keep up with it as well um and so you know it and 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 we're really good with working with people that you know sort of help us get to that next step right that's so, true and then and, and we are a you know, a value-added company, right? People hire us to bring value and we're solutions-oriented. So, you know, if, if, you know, a really good client is somebody that really understands and appreciate what we bring to the table, a client that wouldn't be a very good client is somebody who just wants to tell you exactly to do and how to do it, right? Exactly, and yeah. That, and not that we can't do that, but, you know, we need to add value, you know, to what they are and hopefully see their um, challenges and needs in a different way to maybe provide them a better solution to help make them more money in the long run. So. Mm -hmm. I agree. So you mentioned earlier that you put processes in place and I'm glad to hear that because you started in 93 and now it's 2022. So I'm just so glad to hear that you have processes in place so that, you know, it's easy to, to delegate a task to, to somebody else. And especially now that we are working remotely, it's right. kind of hard to train somebody virtually if you don't have processes in place. So from 93 to 2022, is there a constant challenge that you are still trying to solve well, or was there, always, our, our was there a challenge? Always, 
has always been resources, you know, you know, hours. So, you know, we're kind of in, you know, our world traditionally in software development is time and materials. So you basically have X amount of hours to produce, you know, X amount of dollars. And so, you know, those people. And so, um, but, you know, always having enough resources, you know, having enough overhead built in there for, you know, either adding clients or, you know, taking on new work or, you know, things get behind and you got to catch up. And that's always the biggest problem. Um, and I think it's actually even more challenging now, sort of, you know, the, you know, everybody kind of going remote and some of these new freedoms that people have found, especially I think right. the younger generations. Um, you know, we have people that'll work for two or three months and say, hey, I'm out of here. It's like, but, you know, we just, I mean, you know, it's not like, you know, and we do have employees that we've been working since 2000. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think that's the case anymore. You know, a lot of people, have two or three, four different jobs by the time they're 30 now. Mm-hmm, um, yeah. So there's more of that transitioning. So we have to be more flexible in sort of how we deal with that um, and try to keep the best people around, but just understanding that there's a tend- more of a tendency now to sort of move on, you know. To be yeah, that's true. Around. And no matter what your culture is or how much you're doing or what you're paying, at the end of the day, it's really down to personal, you know, decisions and, and uh, you know, what their interests are. So Yeah, that's true. And if there's someone who decided, you know, to leave your company, that doesn't mean that they don't like your company. It's just that they know that they have different options, you know, right. and especially now that everyone's virtual and you can easily access everything online, it's easier to find something else online as well, you know. And um, yeah, it's not it's, it's not that they don't like your company. It's, it's that they know that they have different options. And especially with us millennials, um, I feel like, Uh, We really want to find something that we are passionate about. But the thing is, once we find something that we are passionate about, we commit to it and we give our best to it. So if you find somebody who's like that, who's passionate with the website SEO and SEM, I feel like you find you find gold. Because it's it's hard to to find some somebody who's committed to to your business, and especially now here in the states, like a lot of restaurants are closing, cutting down their hours because people just don't want to work physically anymore. You know, well, they the want. It's really taking the biggest hit for anybody. I mean, that's that's the hardest one. You know, because you just can't sort of. You know, we can sort of reposition ourselves to some extent, right? It used to be it was always about money. And now it's not really about money. You know, it's about wellness and and lifestyle and and opportunities and that kind of thing. So, you know, yeah. this is getting back to where it started was about processes. And that's something and that's an ongoing thing, you know. So, you know, what are your standard operating procedures? Um, we use Loom a lot now because, you know, you can literally take and, you know, record. This is how something's done. Um, and, and so the onboarding process now, because you literally are possibly onboarding more people than you used to in a given amount of time. And so it's important to get that. And and that's an ongoing everyday thing. I mean, I don't think we'll ever get all our processes documented um, and documented in such a way that like you say, remotely and hand them off. Like we have a new person starting on Monday. And so, you know, I handed her off yesterday, a Dropbox with, you know, spreadsheets that got links to the Loom videos, you know, by task or whatever. And that's helpful, but it's still not the end all, you know, and then there's, you know, knowing about the clients and the personalities of the clients and right. you know, some clients push harder than other clients. And you know, oh, how tell me about it. <laughs> so, so there's still a lot of organic learning that goes on that you only get by being involved. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to have a process, but don't let your process get stuck. You have to always update your processes whenever there's changes in your company or there's changes in the things that your process is involved in. You know, so I think I think that's a good point. You know, if you grow as a person, if you want your company to grow, then your processes need to grow as well. Yeah, they need to keep up with with all of the stuff that you're, you are doing. So tell me about the achievements that you have had so far as far as a company yeah in general as a person company business owner. i would say you know a a biggie is that you know being in business and what we do for 29 years it's a pretty big achievement and considering we had you know the dot-com crash we had 9-11 we had the 2008 recession oh yes (laughs) i mean you know i mean we've seen a lot which has affected a lot of things you've been through it all um and i think you know the the key to that you know um is is being efficient, being lean, having good relationships with clients. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, clients are really about relationships. I mean, we have, you know, one client's been a client since 97. Um, and they're, a, you know, a pretty big company. Um, and it's just, you know, when you, when you build trust, you know, I've always said, you know, you know, business is easy. It's about communication and expectations. And communicate well, 
you know, don't overpromise, you know, don't make ridiculous deadlines, you know, and, and, and then you set reasonable expectations and then you meet or exceed those expectations. You're a rock star day in and day out. I mean, right. And then when things do go wrong or something's late or it breaks or whatever, then you've built that trust. And then they just trust you to, that you're going to take care of it as opposed to their hair being on fire and, you know, screaming, you know, over emails at you or whatever, you know? So, so I think it's important to have a balance of compatible clients that you can work with, that you can build a relationship. I mean, a lot of our clients, you know, before I couldn't travel every other week or every month, I mean, you know, you know, our, our, our business meetings were more, you know, dinners and cocktails than, you know, sitting in a boardroom. I mean, because they're just friends. I mean, they're just, you know, almost, you know, 20 some years of being a friend now, as opposed to just being, you know, a, a C-suite person on the other right. end, of, you know, and I think that's the key. Um, and I see a lot, you know, it's real interesting with with Twitter and seeing a lot, like say the millennials and kind of the new generation and Web3, you know, about all this stuff, you know, it's it's all about you know, build a product, get it a certain point, you know, get your monthly recurring revenue up, you know, sell it, you know, make your million, you retire at 28 or whatever. And that's all good, but 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 we've never been really driven. And maybe this is my fault or not being a good entrepreneur, but we've never been driven by revenue and profit. We've always been driven about relationships with clients and the success that we have and what we do for them. And, you know, and, and and I'll see, you know, like what other people are charging for something we do. And I guess we could charge that as well, but it's not so much based on that. It's based on the client not having to worry about, you know, do we want to ask 305 to do something, but that means it's going to cost a lot more money. Well, they mm-hmm. just, you know, that's, that's not a part of our conversations, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, price and value are important things. But in the day, it's what are you really getting? Are you getting the value added service that you're paid for? So we're never the cheapest, we're never the most expensive, but we're always a good value. And, and we build, you know, that trust with the client um, to where they can rely on us. And I yeah. think that, you know, maybe that's kind of old school. Um, I don't think it is. It works, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, that's, it may be old school, classic, but that doesn't mean it doesn't work nowadays. And relationship, I agree with you. Relationship is, I think, one of the most important things when it comes to growing your business. And I mean, as a business owner as well, I don't focus on revenue and profit. I focus on adding value to our clients because I believe that when you put your clients first, when you have good relationships with your clients, your revenue, everything else will follow. You know, yeah, because track of that, you still have to be good at finances. You still have to like, you know, pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. But don't so make it like your, yeah. Be the driving force. Yeah, it cannot be your vision. You know, it should be something bigger than money, right? And because if your vision for your business is to have this and this and this, you know, 1 million revenue, you know, a year, then that's what you're going to chase. You're going to forget about your team members. You're going to forget about your clients. You're going to forget about about your your family and even your sanity because you're chasing for money and it's hard to chase money. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Yeah. And so when you mentioned about, you know, 9 11, 2008 recession, recession was in 2008, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, 20. I wasn't an entrepreneur yet during 2008. So I I, I don't remember it. Um, So 2008 is is when we had recession here in the States and other stuff that, um, that other unexpected, you know, happenings in the world. So what was your first reaction as an entrepreneur and how did you handle it? Were you like, oh no, 9-11, oh no, recession, I'm going to close down my uh, my business. You know, especially now COVID, you know, we're in the world, we're in the season of um, the pandemic and, you know, it's like, it's not really uncharted waters since we have had something um, similar in the past, you know, we had SARS, flu, SARS. whatever, and all that kind of stuff. So what was your first reaction and how did you handle it? When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. 
Well, so typically whenever there's a recession, uh, especially, you know, so, so most of our budgets are based on marketing dollars. So oddly enough, companies will cut marketing dollars. And so that's what, you know, will happen, something like that. Um, and so we've always been a believer and, we, and there's a lot of, you know, case studies that show it's true that, you know, that's the time that when you actually want to increase marketing, because there's opportunities then, you know, not all your competitors are going to do that. They're mostly cutting back, pulling back. And so, um, so we really look at then working with clients and, and identifying opportunities. The same during the pandemic as well early on, um, our smaller customers were, you know, really scaling back and didn't know how to react and just, I mean, everything they're just over and it's like, well, wait a minute, but here's opportunities, you know, what, you know, what are the opportunities? So for restaurants that had never done to go before, all of a sudden now they had a new revenue stream. And then when they got sort of back to then, uh, you know, table dining, they had this additional revenue stream coming out of it. And there's several examples of that. So we would work with clients and say, hey, you know, we need to look at this, figure out what are your opportunities, you know, and, and also then what are the technological challenges of working remotely? So do we need to update your portal? Do you need a portal? Do you need to have a way to coordinate, you know, your people? And so, and so we always look at those challenges as really being opportunities. Um, and, it, you know, it may only be one or two or three percent gains, but it's better than having five and 10 percent losses. Right. And so and, and, and I think then again, that's that value added thing. Right. You know, like, mm-hmm. And you have to understand your client, you understand their consumer. You have to know really what they do, how they do it. Um, and especially with some of our larger corporate customers that had a really hard time going remotely. I mean, they had employees that have been in offices, you know, for 30 years. And then, and, and and it was just hard. And so we had to change the way, even like managing projects, you know, so you might say, okay, we're going to this call and here's, you know, we need to hear, you know, here's a proof of a website. You need to review it and your team needs to get together. Well, they were no longer getting together. They weren't seeing each other at the water cooler, or, you know, having meetings and whatever. And so then it takes, it, we just had to figure out that. Um, and we use teamwork for our project and task manager. We just had to up the, up the number of how many times we're asking about stuff. Right. right. Because it'd be like, oh, yeah, OK, thanks for asking. Now I need to talk to, you know, Christy and ask her, you know, if she's had a chance to look at it. Well, if you right. waited a week or two weeks, then, it, you know, the time got extended and then the project would get drawn out, you know, and you start missing deadlines and budget. So, you know, we mm-hmm. had to also learn how to work to help them work better. So That's really awesome. So were you the one leading that or you have somebody else doing that? No, for that your was company? pretty much me because the, the, the client stuff pretty much comes down to me. So we have kind of clients, project manager, programmers, developers, you know, web, you know, like WordPress type developers or application developers and then designer and SEO and SEM people. So it's like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, you know, during that time, that's when we reached out to you guys. Um, you know, about helping us also with some resources, because like mm-hmm. I said earlier, resources is always the biggest challenge. So how do you find the best and most compatible resources um, that can, you know, help sort of pick up some of those loads? And so I always look at it in your daily task, you know, what is it something that, you know, pretty much is sort of me that I really need to do? And then what are the things that you can transfer, right, to other people and then and or delegate? Right. And what are the things that are just shouldn't be on your list? You know, you just need to trash them. You know, you need to like get rid of them. Exactly. It's kind of down the line. So then if you have, you know, a project manager or programmer, the same thing. Are there things in their daily tasks that they need to either delegate to somebody else, maybe somebody coming up underneath them or transfer off or whatever, or just get off their list? Maybe they shouldn't be, you know, developers shouldn't be dealing with SEO stuff, maybe, you know, you know, so Mm -hmm. how do you do that? And, and, uh, so anyway, so, so that's what we were, you know, continually looking at. And then by having the um, opportunities of the remote people or virtual assistants or whomever, it's like, what things can you transfer, you know, off then um, to somebody else to then free up some of that additional time. And so. Um, I like yeah. what you said about compatibility, you know, finding that right person or, but in, I want to use the word compatible um, much better than the you know the word right because I feel like you really have to find the compatible person for your um, company like the perfect fit for your company. The past few weeks, months, I have been learning that there may be someone who is compatible for your company or for a client, but that person may not be compatible for somebody else. You know, like right now we run our agency through teamwork. So we make sure that each of our virtual assistants um, is, is a team player. 
And I noticed that whenever there's a VA that we assign to a client and that client loves the VA, that doesn't mean that other clients would love that VA as well because it depends on our client's need and personality. Exactly. It's experience and personality. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I like I, I liked it when you said compatibility because I think that's one of the most crucial things when you are delegating. You have to find the right person that is compatible for the project or task that you want to assign to the VA. And so let's talk about delegation. So you started in 93. When did you learn how to delegate? Is delegation well, it starts, you know, a thing start in the past? A, when you start as an entrepreneur, you know, you start out doing everything yourself, you know, which is, you know, is, is great. And a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, have the abilities and the skills to do a lot of different things, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, if you want to scale your business, then, you know, you have to be able to, you know, scale the team and that's important. And so, you know, how do you, at what points do you do that? What points do you hand stuff off? I mean, I used to, you know, build websites and I used to program databases and all that. I haven't done that for a long time. Yeah. Which is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. Which is a good thing too. I mean, I started as a VA as well. Like everything that my VAs can do, I can do all of them, but I'm not expert at everything. And if I want to scale, I need to delegate some of the tasks that I'm doing uh, for my clients so that I can focus on strategic thinking and sales. Correct. Yeah. And so um, at what point did you learn how to delegate? Let's say 93. Was it, did it take you like five, uh, 10 it was, years? It was probably right around, yeah. So around, you know, probably 96, 97 is when we added some pretty big clients. Um, we started doing 95, 96. Somehow we got into the Memphis market. We started working with actually the Blues Foundation there um, and then got a presence there. Um, and then that led to working with an agency. I mean, at one point, in the late 90s and early 2000s, we had like 60 clients in Memphis. And I used to think it wow. was always because we were really smart and really good and stuff. But but actually, I figured out what it was is in Memphis, you had FedEx, which was growing like crazy. There was a big Nike office there. There was international paper. There were big companies there and there were no IT people. I mean, all the IT people were making their money work with these big companies and not building websites. And I just thought, you know, we were great. But But it turns out that we just fit a need. Um, and and to be able to handle that growth that quickly, then that's when we had to delegate and have more people and developers. So it was so it was really brought upon. You know, I was doing a really good job in sales and and you know getting work going. And 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 honestly, for all this time, you know, we've never really marketed ourselves. It's always been referrals. But once you get into a market, that was actually a geographic market, right? You know? Uh, but we were doing, you know, like the Orpheum Theater and the Memphis Zoo and the Memphis Botanic Gardens. I and mean, we were doing big clients, you know, wow. Civil Rights Museum. And so, you know, we had that presence. And then you pick up all this other work. And then and then with the Blues Foundation, which is really interesting, that's where we picked up like Alligator Records and Tone Cold Records and Blind Pig Records. We did all the Animal Blues labels, I think. Um, but, you know, and we just had all these. And then, you know, musical artists, you know, North Mississippi All-Stars and Susan Zadesky. And we just you know, we were just growing in these markets, but it was always referrals, um, Wow. you know, and there wasn't a lot of people that had that sort of expertise back then, you know, focusing in the music industry. And then, um, and even like with Alligator Records, you know, record labels back in the nineties, early two thousands, it was all mostly physical product, you know, CDs and albums and so on. Um, and so we build them online stores and then we ended up building, this was before constant contact and MailChimp. We actually built a email program for, you know, so they could do mailing, you know, manage mail lists and follow-ups and all these things that just didn't exist like off the shelf, you know, or off the cloud. And so, um, and then that got us into casinos um, because we were able to pass multiple barcodes through emails. And it was just, it was just, you know, so it was kind of technology as well as sort of being on top of it, but. Yeah. um, And you're like the pioneer of digital marketing or digital technology. Well, we were really early on it. And, and, yeah. And, and, and we were even doing like webcasts, you know, we would build servers and haul them into the Orpheum Theater and do, you know, online webcasts with broadcast.com, which was, of course, Mark Coben. That's like Mark Cuban, you know, who has the, owns the basketball team. That's where he mm-hmm. started. You know, we were working with his assistant. Wow. You know, 
doing streaming over, you know, DSL connections out of the basement of the Orpheum Theater for like the Handy Awards and, Mm -hmm. you know, doing stuff at the Kennedy Center and the House of Blues in LA. And, you know, it wasn't our main business, but it's just because we were just technology web people. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's a great story. And it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, so you mentioned earlier that you were growing your company through referrals before. How about now? What are it's the strategies? Mostly referrals. Like- I mean, I mean, right now, you know, honestly, you know, again, that resource thing, mm-hmm. to be able to yell and have the right people, you know, we just can't add like and we don't. It's never been our goal to add like say 20 clients a year. You know, we're really picky about our clients. So last year, you know, we had nice. really good clients, you know, and they're both big telecommunication, you know, wireless companies. But, um, but you know, that's been the scale. Now, whether that's the best way to do business, it'd be really great, you know, for Christy to come in here and say, hey, we give you all these resources and now, you know, go crazy. Tell me, tell me what you need. <laughs> <laughs> And I'll find them for you. But you know what I'm saying is that there, I think, yeah. I, just, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's unlimited. And that's why we like this soft serve SEO project. Mm-hmm. You know, we can only handle so many SEO clients a month, but now through this portal, we could easily add hundred, 200, 500 SEO clients, you know, by having this sort of self-serve mechanism. So that's and SEO is no joke. SEO well, is no, no it's joke. So important. I, that's one yeah. of the most important things. And especially, marketing. especially when you implement SEO, like. It's not a short-term project. It's a long-term, it's a lifetime long-term project. Business. As long as you have your business, you have to have SEO. And well, it, that's even what we designed it, our our designed our program was understanding those pain points and working with the clients. So the biggest pain points of people doing their own SEO is sort of one, the technical knowledge, you know. So we bring that to the table with that experience. The other is ongoing. You have to have a program, a maintenance. And so we build in the portal like every week, you get a reminder to do this. And then every month and this report, what's up and what's down. Because, you know, we'll have a client come and say, hey, come in and fix your SEO. And we'll come in and spend a month or two or whatever and just knock it out of the park. And then it's like, here's everything you need to continue, you know. And then they don't do anything. And then, you know, six months later, they come back and they say, well, how come this is all? Well, because... You know, Google changes, search changes, your competition changes, spin changes, all these things change constantly. And you have exactly. to be, you don't have to do it every day. You don't spend hours and hours every day, but we know the things you should be doing at least once a week or once a month and, and what those benchmarks are and how do you sort of keep your, you know, keep your head above water. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so I'm just picking up keywords from what you were saying. Um, you mentioned that you're like, picky when it comes to your client so I mean as for me as well like you know I have standards because I want to make sure that we are going to be working long term with our clients so we don't just onboard a client knowing that they're not ready to delegate we ask them do you have processes we ask them about their business goals because if they don't have business goals that mean that means that they're probably not a solid business yet you know well, they're not um, ready to hand off yet yeah right? yeah right successful you have to make sure that you know and, and it's also the same with being able to work with somebody remotely it's the same thing you can't just say one day oh now we want to have a remote person well there's so many moving parts to get to that yeah it's not like it's not like you just you you hire a virtual assistant today just because you don't want to do your grocery shopping. Right. And then the following day, you want to do it yourself. You, you'd rather go to the grocery store and pick up some groceries. You have to be strategic when it comes to delegating. And delegating is equals to scaling. So if you don't know how to delegate properly, it's going to be hard for you to scale. So when it comes to like having standards, you know, onboarding your clients, what are like the main characteristics that you're looking for well, i think i think as far as clients the most important thing is being a good listener okay i think that's the most important thing and then so the then client the, needs to be a, no, good no, listener. To be a good listener oh you need to be a good listener how yeah, about like client wise like what are you looking for exactly from the client yeah from the client well so so typically you know before it gets to that point you know we've done our research we've done our competitive research we've looked at sort of we look, you know we've had meetings figure out what you know their really their needs are we see where we kind of fit into that you know if you know you know will we be able to do that we uh, try to understand their timelines and make sure you know that makes sense um so so, so there's a lot of sort of Q&A that goes on 
And I think mm-hmm. the, the most the most important thing is is that it's a two way conversation, right? I and mean, we just can't come in and say these are the twenty things that are going to make you successful because honestly, there's no magic bullet. But if we can come in and ask the right questions, what their needs are, understand and get those pain points, um, then we can come back and say, okay, this is where we can help you at. And maybe we can't help you over here, but we can definitely help you with these things. And and we'll have clients that. You know, we only do the website, we only do the SEO, or we only do the PPC, or we only do the application, and then we have clients who do everything. I mean, right. So, you know, so you know, we're not greedy. We're not looking to do everything, but we have to figure out really where the best fit is. And yeah. If that makes sense, then I think that makes the onboarding easier. And then that's really, you know, like I said, two-way conversations. You know. Exactly. And what's a red red flag for you? Oh well, there's several in my book, but. Um, <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> well, just, you know, starting off from the get go, telling you how to do your job, um, you, know, you know, asking, you know, questions and, and, you know, not getting back to you or not getting information or, you know, just not being able to come back with, you know, it's like, okay, it can't be that hard. I mean, you know, we can't help you unless we can understand if, if you, you don't communicate. The problem is, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and, and I think those are sort of things where it falls down. Um, you know, when it comes about money, 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 money. I mean, it's like, okay, that's not the first thing. Well, you know, that's part of it. But, you know, you know, we really need to see if there's a potential for a relationship here. Um, And so, you know, because I mean, you know, I had a call yesterday and it's like, okay, so I just gave you a really vague description of what we need. And now can you tell me like what it's going to cost? And so mistake a lot of business say, well, yeah, it'll probably be, you know, X hours and whatever an hour. But, you know, my answer is just no, until we really understand what your needs are and we can actually write requirements for it, I really can't give you a cost. It's not that I'm hiding my cost, but it's just that I don't want to, you know, say $5,000 and ends up being $2,000 or $10,000. You know, $10, right. Mm-hmm. But, but it's not fair to us or the client, you know, but, but when that conversation happens literally in the first phone call, then I'm a little wary. Yeah, you need to dig deeper in order for you to really get to know the business of the client, what they need exactly. Because sometimes they think this is what they need. But on the other hand, like when you ask them a lot of questions, you're like, that's really not what you need. What you need is this, you know, so it's kind of like not correcting them, but educating them, you know, because they don't know about website. They don't know about SEO and SEM. So they think that they have a problem with their website because nobody's visiting their website. But as a matter of fact, the problem is with SEO because they don't have the right keywords, you know? Well, yeah, yeah. And I've got a saying, you know, that, you know, you never tell somebody their baby's ugly. So, no. <laughs> so you have to understand and figure out and you know that things may not be right, but there's also things that are right. So you figure out and especially with in, in SEO and PPC is what you're looking for is opportunities. And so and, and, and so you're looking for how you can improve organic traffic. Then maybe you're looking at how you can improve paid traffic. And you're also looking at the competitors and you're seeing what their competitors are doing successful. But then there's always nuggets of what things their competitors aren't taking advantage of that you could do for your client. And so and so it's being able to understand all those pieces and then setting up the strategy based on those opportunities, you know, which typically for us starts with implementing best practices. It's like if you don't have best practices from the get go, it doesn't matter how much money you spend on you know, AdWords or social or whatever, if you don't have your best practice organic stuff set up, it's never going to give them what that's really capable of. Exactly. And so typically it's like starting at A and then maybe getting to M and then now here's then, you know, the opportunities that we can grow your business or something. So Exactly. Yeah. And so why do you think delegation is important when it comes to scaling a company? If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below. Well, so I would, you know, I would list, you know, there, there's there's pieces of that. So one is, like I said, either either just there's somebody that already could do something or you're just transferring it to them or, you know, delegating is really taking something that's here. You haven't really done this. So now I want you to start doing this. And I think I mentioned in my email about sort of there's this kind of proven IPO approach which is information, permission, and outcome. 
And so, you know, so the biggest downfall, and, and it still happens to us all the time, is, you know, getting the user enough information. Do they have the logins? Do they have, you know, the client information? Do they have access to whatever? You know, did you tell them to go out and buy a bunch of stuff and they don't have a credit card, a way to pay for it? I mean, you know, getting them the information that they need to be successful is the number one thing going into it. And then, you know, the hardest thing about delegating is because there's always this sort of assumption that that would just be easier if I just did it myself. You know, why do I want to spend five hours onboarding somebody to figure this out when I could just spend an hour doing it myself? So you've got to give them permission. You've got to make them responsible for it. You just got to say, okay, I'm just going to put, I'm not even going to pay any attention. I'm just going to, here it is. You go, you go run with this and make it go so that they then can build confidence and feel like I did something. Um, and you know, you don't want to start out giving them like the hardest thing in the company to do. You want to start out giving them something that they can be successful at kind of baby steps. Yeah, exactly. And also like, especially with people who are hiring virtual assistants, I think most people, they think that when they assign a task to, to a virtual assistant, they expect for the virtual assistant to get it right the first time. First time you which, know, is, which, which is the final, which is the final thing. The O part is outcome. So the mm-hmm. outcome is really, what is your expectation for the outcome? And typically you have to dial that back initially, right? And then, so it becomes a learning experience. And then, and then you have to be able to let them know that how they were successful or what they could do to do better, or maybe what they, you know, um, you know, hear some, you know, helpful advice or whatever, or maybe they just kind of learned it, or maybe they learned, maybe their outcome was doing it better than what you used to do it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, 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 so I, I think you have to have that. And, and I think that's hard and it was hard for me. And I think it's hard for a lot of entrepreneurs to be able to say, Hey, you know what? Yeah, you did it. It wasn't how I would have done it, but you know, we still got to the same point that we wanted to get to. Right. We had the same outcome for the client. Yeah, exactly. And I think Patience is very important when it comes to delegation as well, because again, a lot of people don't want to train their VAs and which is some, sometimes it's okay if you don't train your VAs, like especially for social media management, you know, if you hire a VA, you shouldn't train your VA on that specific skill set because you're hiring someone who is already good at social media management. But what you need to train your VA with is what is your company culture? What is your brand's um, identity? How exactly you want your graphic done? Because graphics can be subjective sometimes. You know, you may oh. like pink. I don't like pink. I want darker colors. But I didn't you know? tell you that I didn't like pink. Yes. <laughs> How about purple? <laughs> but again, that's that information part. You got to give enough information and at the beginning. And, and like I said, that's typically where delegation falls down at, you know, even if it's a little thing like not having a username and password for something, you know, it's just, you know, making sure they have all the information they need. That includes the background information, like you were saying, culture, you know, knowing about the client, knowing about the company. How do you do that? And I think that's the hardest part of onboarding and in delegation is just how do you get the information? So if you have good um if, if you have good standard operating procedure process to where you can, okay, we're going to just loom everything we do. Like when we started working with, with you guys, you know, we had a loom video of this is what we need done. You know, it wasn't everything, but it was a starting point and allows them to be communication based on that. Yeah, that's true. Um, so what can you say to business owners who are still not delegating? No, it's going to, you know, it's, it's 12 hour days, 80 hour weeks till you figure it out. So and not that I work that much less, but it's a better quality work. And like you were saying, the most important thing, providing that vision, you know, providing, you know, sort of getting out of front of things. Um, and, you know, I like the client relationship part of it. You know, that's what I like best. If I could do that all day and just talk to clients, I would do that. But there's all the other stuff that's got to happen for, you know, the clients to be happy. So, you know, that has to be delegated to be going on at the same time. That's true. You cannot talk to your clients every day while working on the client's project, it may it may affect the quality of work that you're providing for your client or it may affect your your communication with your client because you cannot do both both things at the same time, especially when you have a lot of clients. It's just crazy. You know what? Like when I was a VA before, like I love working for my clients. So, you know, I love doing all the tasks for them. I love communicating with them. I just love providing for them, you know, providing services to them. But now that I have an agency and I am like a master in delegation, I don't want to go back to what 
what I was doing before, you know, right. um, am I passionate about, you know, working on uh, working for my clients? Yes. But my passion now is bigger than that. My passion now is to help more clients and help more, you know, people overseas to have a more stable income. And so I, I don't think I can, I can do, I can do those things all by myself. But that's great and, to hear because that's why small business is truly the economic driver for any mm-hmm. economy. Because really, our job is not to grow our business. Our job is to hire more people, you know, provide more jobs, um, provide them with you know income and salaries. They can buy you know houses, raise families, you know, get their kids to go to college. That's really what we do as yeah. entrepreneurs. It's not just about how much money can I make and how big a house can I have. It's about how many people can we affect. In you a need to expand. Way. Yeah. And, and that's why and that's why small business is so important for economies because while you see the billion dollar apples and all that, you know, it's really all those thousands and thousands of business that keep hiring people, you know, keep bringing them back. And that's why even in the service industry is so important, you know. I mean, that's just those are jobs and you know, it's good because we're finally getting more money and 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 you know, restaurant owners, especially big restaurant groups are realizing they got to provide benefits. And, you know, it, it used to be like, like, you know, you get a job in a service business and it was always horizontal. There was never any vertical, you know, upper mobility, right? Well, you got to provide that. And even companies, you know, small like us, we have to do, they have to be somewhere you can go or at least, you know, feel like you're getting better. It's not just more money, which even today is even a bigger thing. It's the wellness and, you know, are you giving them flexible hours? You know, they include, you know, a gym membership or you make right. sure, you know, we have developers will give three or four weeks vacation. Now it's DO, but, and they just never take it because they're always so afraid that they're going to miss something. Right. And so literally you just got to say, you've got to take it off. I mean, you know, we were doing like, you know, your birthday week off just because it was like, just, you, you got to take time off, you know, that's, that's um, awesome. Yeah. And not a lot of companies are providing that for their employees. And I think that probably why a lot of employees here in the States, you know, leave their job because they don't, they don't feel like they are being valued by their employers. But that's what you're doing such a good job of is by giving, you know, no matter where your workers or employees are at, you know, by giving them, you know, the opportunity to have a really good job that they can, you know, be proud of and love doing, you know, I mean, that's a huge thing to me. That's, that's what makes the success of the business is being able to do that. That's true. That's true. So being in a business for like, I'm not good with math. So 93 to 22. So that's like 20 years years will be 20. Oh my gosh. You're like married to your business 30 years. You have, do you have your anniversary business anniversary? Do you celebrate that? Yeah, uh, it's in July. Emily. It's in July. It's in July, I think it's like the 14th or 15th or something. Wow. So I'm just really curious because you've been in business for almost 30 years. Were there a time when you feel like you wanted to give up? Oh, sure. Yeah, those days. I have those days still now. It's just frustrating when you have all these things and everything should be great. And then, you know, somebody leaves or you're looking for a new person or, you know, whatever, you know, you have a pandemic. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean it's frustrating, but you just have to believe in what you do and why you do it. And again, that's where sort of those client relationships come back to you. That's really what keeps you going, you know, is that you're, you're, you're still doing a good job. You're meeting, you know, their, you know, their expectations. I mean, that's, that's what keeps you going. Um, But I am, and I'm kind of, you know, I'm 61, so I'm not old, but you know, you know, it's like, is there an exit strategy? You're going to do this till like you're 80 or you fall over or what are you doing? You know, and, and my goal you know, there's kind of two ways. One is you can just kind of sell the company and walk away. But for me, you know, I decided last year for the next three years to get to our 30th anniversary, you know, that it's about really trying to grow the company to build in redundancies, to build in the best systems and processes that we can. So the company can kind of run sort of on its own, you know, so so that provides job security for the employees. And, you know, they're not sort of wondering, you know, what's John doing? Is he going to flake out and just, you know, walk away from it? And so, so I think that, so my exit strategy is based on making the company more successful so that it's more stable um, and will provide, you know, beyond that. So, yeah. So that even when you decide to retire, the company can run even without you, you know, Which is why you I have can... to work myself out of the business. Right. I mean, yeah. So, doing. so how do you do that? Which people do you need? What's most important? So we're slowly filling in these levels until it 
fills me in. So Exactly. Exactly. So any words of wisdom that you want to share with our fellow entrepreneurs who are listening to this episode right now? No, like I said, I, I think the most important thing is communication and expectations. I mean, I think if you just every day, whether that's with your team, your employees, your remote, your in-house, your clients, your vendors, everybody, it's just all about sort of being on the same page and being clear about it, you know. I agree. Communication and expectations, they're very crucial. They're like the bread and butter of your company. <laughs> yeah. So well, it doesn't have to be hard. It's like we have, you know, and 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 we've worked with agencies and I've had really good employees go on to big, you know, really big agencies and they talk about, you know, sales and marketing will just, you know, you know, here's the job, you know, we sold it for, you know, a thousand hours of development. It's going to be done by Christmas. And come Christmas, you know, every developer is working 12, 14 hour days through their Christmas holiday because they're off schedule because it, there was no way it could have ever been done. You know, I mean, you have to start out saying, you know, I mean, not that every proposal or, you know, whatever is perfect, but you just sort of have to try to get it right as close as you can to be able to budget that. And we don't work in our industry. It's typical for developers to work 60 hours a week. I mean, it's yeah. just not unheard of, but you know, we, most of our guys work 40, 45 hours a week. Um, and, you know, like a 50 hour week would be a lot. You know, and then and then we have rollouts sometimes late at night because they're after you know service, you know, maintenance hours. Right. We might have something on the weekend, maybe once or twice a year. But you know, and again, from a business point of view, that's not good because you're not maximizing all those resources, right? But from a personal point of view and a culture and a lifestyle point of view, it's really important for everybody to have the expectation of, hey, you're not expecting me to work 60 hours a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to set that expectation because we don't want our employees or our staff to like overwork themselves because that's gonna yeah that's gonna that's gonna affect the quality of of their job so where can people find you online john uh we're at 305spin.com is the company and then our soft serve seo.com is our seo so Awesome. Well, this has been a great interview, John. Like I've learned a lot from you and I actually have a lot of questions for you still, but I know we're limited on time. So that's fine. We'll reach out. I love talking. Yeah. And like I said, I'm always thinking too, it's like, you know, you know, what is it that we can have you guys do more for us? And then, you know, all. so I think that's just like I said, it's that two-way communication thing. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you enjoy this episode and you want to show your appreciation and support, please consider buying a coffee for me at buymeacoffee.com slash Thank you for your support and see you on the next episode.